Evan Chung joins us to discuss all things Chelsea, including their big win over struggling Tottenham. City continue their winning ways, clear at the top of the table, and United absolutely crushed Southampton 9-0, sending them further down the table. We're down here in the Rattail Bunker and Barbershop Studio, and this is the Boys and Bolos Podcast. Welcome back to the Boys and Bolos Podcast. We're here in the Rattail Bunker and Barbershop Studio. Jarrett, another week in the books. Another week, another dub for the Blues. <laughs> another dub. Another big L for Spurs. A big L. For Jose's Ponies. Ponies. <laughs> Jose's Ponies. Is that Portuguese for ponies? <laughs> Jose's Ponies. Ponies. Back at the barbershop studio, Evan Chung, how are you doing? You're doing good. Good. Obviously, delighted that Chelsea just won. Um, Great to be back. I'm excited for this. He's Oh my God, he's never been so happy in his life. you see the, his face right now? Oh my God, it's like all the holidays and his birthday and New Year's at once. He's forgetting all the, the he's forgetting the Wolves game. He's forgetting oh the, the Arsenal God. game. Yep, yep, yep. It was, a, it was a tough, rough run of games during that time. And But we're back, we're back. We're back. Tuchel, it's, it's, Tuchel's right the ship, as they say. We're, yes, sir. We're <laughs> back. We're back. Back. We're back. We're back, baby. Sixth place. Sixth place, baby. Right to the top. <laughs> to, the moon. to the moon. Straight to the Europa League. Let's just we're, we're gonna dive right in for the Chelsea Tottenham game. Evan, one of the greatest things I think as a Chelsea fan is that we haven't let up a goal since Tuchel's come in, which feels great because on Frank's last couple games, I felt like we were a sieve. Is that a good takeaway? Has there been any better takeaway the fact that we haven't let in goals? Over the first three games that you've seen, other like you know, offensively, are you seeing things that you like more? Defensively, is there something else that we could even improve on, even though we haven't let in goals? I definitely agree. Defensively, obviously, with the new formation going to a back three, that's definitely helped out very much. Like how um, Antonio Conte switched to a back three formation in like 2017. Tuchel has done the same thing essentially with the back three, and I think that's just helped us out massively. But the problem is, and in, in, I don't think it's defense. I don't think it ever was defense for Chelsea, right? I mean, you guys can't score goals. I mean, even today, yeah, you got a, a lo- like a pretty generous, like Dyer basically handed you guys a goal because he's a bonehead. Besides that, I mean, Mount had a few opportunities, and I think I, I obviously think Mount's the best player on Chelsea right now. It's pretty clear. Warner can't do anything, and Ziyech is hurt, and Havertz seems to be hurt. And they didn't even consider Giroud to put him in there. And Hudson Odoi doesn't look very great. So, you don't I, think Hudson Odoi looks good? I, I think he looks okay, but he's not like I didn't think he was a goal scoring threat. That's true. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, as a player, either. he's a good player, but as a goal scoring threat, eh. The bottom line is the way I feel about Chelsea hasn't changed after they beat Spurs one nothing. One because I I thought Spurs were going to either tie or lose that game. Two, you guys just don't haven't been scoring a lot of goals. And like I'm a, I'm actually like. I wouldn't say I'm a Chelsea fan, but like if there was a team, they're in the Champions League. I'm rooting for Chelsea, right? As a Premier League team. I'm concerned, you know, as they have these fixtures coming up, FA Cup, Champions League, that they cannot find ways to score. They have possession. They're dribbling around the box. They give the ball to Pulisic. They give the ball to Mount and they dink it around. Then nothing happens. Or they get a shot block. It just seems like they're, they're missing something. Yeah, Evan, I feel the same. Do you think moving into February that... Chelsea are going to be competitive against Atletico because Atletico looks freakish. Luis Suarez is scoring goals for fun. They also don't let in goals and we can't score goals. What do you think in moving forward? 
do they do the three five two with wing backs or are they to go with something else? I think Tuchel is going to stick with the same three five two, and particularly towards Atletico, it's going to be tough now that Thiago Silva is injured. We don't know how. I don't know. I guess the length of that injury or the I guess seriousness of the extent, but. I don't know. I think it's going to be a really tough match against Atletico. I don't even want to think about it, honestly. But it's literally two weeks. <laughs> it's two weeks away. It's two weeks away. So it's it's the 18th of February. Oh, that's that's wow. It's rough. So brutal. That's and coming so, up. Yeah, it's coming up. And uh, even if it's a groin pull or if it's a uh, thigh injury or whatever, it's. I mean, two weeks is usually like the barometer of like what they say on like minor injuries. They're like, oh, two weeks. So there's a quest like. I hope he's not injured, too injured, you know, because he's a he's a good player, and it's, it's it's good to see him on the uh, on the field when Chelsea are defending. But I worry about that. Game. I worry about them in the Champions League just because Atletico is so good. Suarez is just—I mean—that team's on form. They got—they're not going to let in a goal. Is the first match away or home, dude? The first match is away, so okay. we, because we won our group, so we have the second match at home. Unless I'm wrong, it could be wrong, but that's normally how it's traditionally done. Okay. Chelsea still have some like figuring out to do. I think I, for me, it feels like that Tuchel's still like tinkering around in the starting lineup, especially because Chilwell's still on the bench. They had literally, I, I was like doing the math. They had 200 million pounds on the bench when they started that game between Chilwell, Pulisic, Pulisic Ziyech, Conte, Conte, Giroud, maybe. Yeah, I, I just a lot of money on the bench. And like, I don't know how long. I mean, I know that Tuchel. He trusts Aspie and he trusts Alonso, but there has to be a point where you spend all this money on these players and they have to find some time on, on the field. And I, But I, I think he's doing that. I think today leaving Werner out there for the entire game was kind of, I mean, if... What did that get you, though? Like, it didn't get you anything. I, I know, and I'm kind of like, do you think, Evan, that maybe he should have brought in Giroud? Or do you just leave Werner out there because whatever... And I'm going to play Giroud on the weekend. What's your thought? I think it was fine to leave Werner out there. I think even without, he's not scoring goals. Yeah, I think every Chelsea fan knows that. And a lot of people are starting to get impatient with him. But at the same time, if you take a look at the game, we had to use a substitution for an injury. And then our next substitution was to bring on Pulisic, right? And I think just leaving Werner on was a good decision because he's always a threat on the counter. And you never know what could happen, even though it didn't. Nothing really happened much um, after the words. And Tuchel just uses that last sub for N'Golo Kante, which was brilliant to bring on a defensive sub just to close off um, the game. Now, my question is: is like in the long term, I think that N'Golo Kante. I know he's coming off an injury, right? I mean, I'm assuming a slight injury he's coming off of. Yes, yes. And I, I think he he looked a little step behind. Like he was a step behind today. I, I think normally he's. A little quicker, a little better on the tackle. So I think he's actually the long-term center defensive midfielder as opposed to Kovacic. Um, even though I think Kovacic is playing great, I, I would prefer not to see Jorginho out there, even though he scored a goal today and he's been playing fine. My preference is to see like a more of an attacking lineup with Ziyech and, and Pulisic and Werner. Like, I would rather see all of them out there and just throw just like go all in, right, and try to score goals. At this point, they need to score more goals. They need to get some confidence on, uh, from their attacking players as opposed to winning these one nothing grounded out games, which is fine. I mean, it's good to have these games on you know in your belt, but 
when it comes when it comes down to it, I think they need to they need to really get some confidence and score goals. Do you think Evan that it's this brutal. game would have gone differently if Frank Lampard were still manager? Do you think Chelsea would have beat Spurs? Ooh, that's a great question. This is a good this is a good one. This is a good one. Yeah, that is. A he's, good he looks question. nervous. You can't see him, but he's like mm. sweating. He's like, oh man, hot seat. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it probably went the same way. You you think it goes the same way, Jeff? I I think it doesn't because I think Frank was very committed to the four four two, and that just left us way too exposed in the counter. And when you have the wing backs. It just gives you a little bit more balance through the midfield when maybe you don't have the overall technical ability and tactical ability to deal with a team that's as quick with human song in the middle or a guy like Hobier who can turn and knock a ball long. You know, I see three five two as a kid who play college. A lot of teams play three five two because it's easier to have three mediocre center backs that kind of stay together and you just tell them to stay together than have two really good center backs who have to know how to pull and move the line up and give and go and create space but also minimize space on the defensive side so I actually think it would have been a tie under Frank and I think with Tuchel and the 3-5-2 I think he allowed it to be not a tie however as we've said the goal left a lot to be desired because it was really just Eric Dyer who had a bad day yeah because that penalty if he had not done if anything it's not for the penalty it's a zero zero tie because the, there was two defenders standing there and like yeah maybe maybe warner would have done something with it but toby was standing there like all right well dyer's on the ground like i have to cover it, for and him. i guess that's my point I, I i was asking i was thinking to myself if frank were there would he have made a difference and i think sorry if two you know if frank were there would he have won and obviously, we'll never know. It's just a, it's conjecture. It's a hypothetical question to ask, you know, out to the to the universe. But I think Tuchel, playing the three five two, he allows the forwards and the top guys to be able to be a little bit more free moving forward, and they don't have to track back as much because they know that they already have so much cover built in. Whereas Frank was a little bit more like, yeah, let's Golden State Warrior this. Let's try to outscore them. Even if we lose six to five, even if we win six to five, we still won six to five. But because Chelsea isn't scoring goals, as you've said, and we know as Chelsea fans, Evan, you know, I don't know, but who knows? Who knows? Moving forward, Mm -hmm. I think in the Champions League, it's going to be tough for Tuchel personally for his ego and his overall professionalism if he doesn't get by Atletico Madrid. And I guess, do you think, how well, how much do you think his pedigree in the Champions League came into play with Abramovich because Abramovich, as we know, is obsessed with the Champions League. That's what he wants. He wants the domination of the European Cup of the European region. As a Russian, there's a lot of geopolitics in there, but Russians like to think them of themselves as European by culture, even though geographically they're more Asian. So anyways, there's a lot of things playing there. How much do you think he was like, we want to get Tuchel because he took PSG to the championship last year? Yeah, definitely. I think if you take a look at the other managers, there was, I think, Julian Nagelsmann and potentially Maxi Allegri, uh, or I think his name is just Allegri. Uh, that was sort of like within talks, but yeah, I think Thomas Tuchel was the right decision. He took PSG to the Champions League final just this last summer, you know? And I think if Abramovich wants to get Chelsea back to that level, then you have to hire a manager who is shown capable of getting you there, right? Obviously, he hasn't won uh, the Champions League yet with either PSG or Dortmund, but I think with Chelsea, you give him some time, anything could happen, right? 
especially if you give him some money. I guess at PSG you're getting a lot of financial backing with Neymar and Mbappe, and you're spending a lot of money. But at Dortmund, way less money. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think if Tuchel said, "Hey, I want Upamecano, I want Alaba, I want a, a, a few of these players that are going to be free in the or you know you have to pay to pay to get in this transfer season," I think Mbrovich is going to be like, "Yeah, we'll probably we'll get you these one or two or three players, and um, maybe be." you know, the missing pieces they, they need to be uh, either title contenders or at least Champions League uh, contenders within Champions League as well. One of the interesting things that I want to ask you, because you're the Chelsea guy, <laughs> where do you think <laughs> Chelsea's offseason moves are? Because Neymar has been said to, I'm going to talk about PSG so I can talk about Chelsea for a second, but Neymar has been said to definitely be signing on a new contract at PSG. And the second I see that, I posted this on Instagram. I said, okay, that means Messi's coming in. Because the only way to keep Ney there is to bring in Messi. So I think there's a situation where Mbappe goes to Real Madrid, Sergio Ramos either goes to Man United or PSG, but if but I do think they're going to try to bring in Messi. So with that said, they're one of the bigger teams that's not going to be going after Holland. Other than Holland or Upamecano, are there any other players that you would like to see Tuchel bring in in the summer? You need somebody to replace Silva, right? Yeah, well, are... yeah, that's what that's what Upamecano would be essentially, right? Um, I think I think those two targets would be pretty good, but considering the fact that there's a lot of other European teams going after them, and we've already spent so much money, you don't know how much, like I don't know, money Abramovich wants to continue to splash. We all know that he has enough money to do that, but I think Abramovich would rather have Tuchel work with what he has now. And continue to build on what Frank Lampard built and what Frank Lampard couldn't get out of this side that they've already spent over 200 million pounds on. And in terms of transfer targets, I haven't really heard much, um, but I guess we'll have to wait until the summer. Every- Obviously, yeah, like you said, Holland and Upamecano. Holland and Upamecano. I mean, obviously, if Chelsea bring those guys in, I think we're, we're in the title contender talk before the first ball is even kicked. Is there a player on loan that you want to keep on loan? And is there a player on loan you want to bring back because they're playing well? I'm, I'm not giving you easy questions tonight, Evan. You're in the hot seat. Yeah, so I think obviously the, the first person that comes to my mind is Fikayo Tomori. We just let him out go on, on loan, and I think that was a mistake considering now that Tuchel has just arrived literally like a week after Tomori left, and all of a sudden we're playing a back three, right? It'd be perfect to have Tomori as sort of a backup option and actually have a chance to get more playing time right uh outside of tamori i i can't really think of any more loanies i think musanda is back at the club but he's still rehabilitating or just i don't know i'm not exactly sure what he's doing but i can't really think of any other loanies my my question was and i know there was this was tossed around is that uh before the transfer deadline ended billy gilmore go out on loan right instead of keeping him at the club because he's not getting a lot of minutes, and would it serve him better to go play for another Premier League club or in the Championship? Uh, and like, what what's your thoughts on him moving forward? Because he he's a very talented, obviously a very talented player, and not getting the time probably that he deserves, and it's almost like a wasted, a little bit of a waste when if you're not developing that player more, uh, at, you know, as a ch- thinking as a Chelsea fan, you know. I, I personally like that he stayed because if you take a look at the system, the new system, right? We have essentially a two in midfield 
and that's either going to be Jorginho, Kovacic, Kante, and now Billy Gilmore, right? And I think having four midfielders there is better than having three, uh, just in case if one gets suspended or just injured. And with like the m- amount of cup competitions we have, and even the Champions League, Tuchel said 22 men is just enough, right? That's why I don't think he wanted any more departures. But uh, also, I guess going back to your loanee question, I remembered we have Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Ross Barkley out on loan. Um, I can't really see them breaking back into the Chelsea side because we have Mason Mount, we have Kai Havertz, we have other guys who are playing their position already. Are, are those both, are Ross Barkley and um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek loan to buy or are they just straight loans? It'd be interesting to look at those contracts. I, I thought the uh, the Ross Barkley one was a loan to buy. For Aston, for Aston Villa, right? Yeah. For Aston Villa. Yeah, I'm not sure, honestly, if those are loaned to buy, but I think if the money were right, if either Fulham, if Fulham stays up, right? Right. Obviously, well, if they, they don't will. stay up, yeah. I think Ruben's going to probably get loaned out to another Premier League team. If they both stay up, though, I would assume Chelsea would be fine selling them, probably looking to recoup some money, not only for the sales that they had this past summer, which was 200 plus million pounds, but also the fact that Keppa was brought in at like 85 million pounds. And I think his current value is like 13.5 million. So they need to definitely plug some holes. And I like Evan, like Evan just said, I totally agree. I don't really think they have a spot at Chelsea. I never really thought I was never impressed by Ruben Loftus cheek. He was kind of like Kennedy. I was never impressed by him either. Uh, and Barkley as well. I was never impressed, but apparently Evan disagrees with me. So Evan, you want to speak on it? I, I sort of agree slightly with the Barkley take, but I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek was really good in that 18-19 uh, season under Maurizio Sarri. I think he was probably one of our better attacking players alongside Eden Hazard and Calum Hudson-Odoi and Giroud. But ever since that injury, again, it was that injury that wrecked him. Um, I think it was like a friendly game uh, overseas in America. And he just got injured. It was, I think, his ACL. It and was, he hasn't been the same since. It was against the New England Revolution, and it was May of a couple years ago, and it was a against racism kind yeah, of... Yeah, I think it was anti-Semitism. It was actually set up yeah. by Abramovich, I remember. But, yeah. Right, so it was over here. It was in Massachusetts. It was in Foxborough, and he just twisted yeah. his knee, and that was it, and that was... That's why I don't think clubs should have friendlies. I hate that shit because it's just one more opportunity for your asset, which has ACLs, MCLs, knees, head injuries. It's just one more thing of exposure for the liability of a player, which is essentially an asset. So, yeah. It's all about the money. All, all the about money. the money. These all poor the guys, money. all about their money. You know, their best ability is their availability. So, <laughs> But anyways, I don't see also a player out on loan other than Tamori, and I completely agree with you. I think especially with the 3-5-2, I think he's super useful. And I was actually surprised to see Frank not use him more at the beginning of this season. I was so surprised that he kind of yeah. got pushed to the back because after yeah. last season, I was like, this is great. I don't even know where this guy came from, but he's phenomenal. He hustles. He seemed to work in with the team, but that's pro soccer you know if you're kind of you know consistency is one of the most impressive attributes of any pro soccer player that they can get up and continue to just put in time and add value wherever they're supposed to add value if they're defending they're defending if they need to score goals they're scoring goals so but with that said we're gonna look at some of the other games of this past week and then eventually get into the previews but scoring scoring goals we had a nine nothing drubbing of Southampton and this is the second one under Hassan Huddle he also lost to Leicester 9-0 so that dude I, 
he said this was worse, and I don't remember why he said that he, in the press conference I was watching. But it's worse because he just came off winning a game against Liverpool. That's right. He was he, like they crying, won. Yeah, he was like crying in the field. Which I get. If I if I coached a team that beat that Liverpool team, I'd be crying. I, I'd be a basket of tears. Fall from grace, man. I'd be Celine Dion. Titanic song. Joke. We thought the South the Southampton team at one point was at the top of the table, with a lot of other teams that have been at the top of the table have fallen, but. This Southampton team, you know, I, I was worried about. It. I was like, "Oh, is this is the team another another team that's going to be like, contend for the top four? Blah blah blah. Like, are they are they actually good? Like, you know, Danny Ings, second coming of Danny Ings, or the first coming? I don't even know. But it's like the fifth coming. That guy's James Ward Prowse just like scoring worldies all day. Walcott's like suddenly found himself again after like being playing like in the, wherever he was, but. Bottom line is they're now like in twelfth place or whatever they are, and it's it everything's kind of leveling out. Everything's kind of finding its balance, except for Everton and well, Aston Villa, Aston Villa. And West Ham. Nah, Everton and West Ham. Aston Villa is both where they where I thought. But they've got a couple goals and they got excuse me a couple games in hand. Yeah, well, I mean they're not easy games in hand. We'll see what happens, but I do think the cream is starting to rise to the top. And what I mean the cream is that when you list the teams. From eight, from the top to the twenty in the Premier League by the end of the season, it is almost normally verbatim the amount of money each club has and spends because that's the way soccer is, unfortunately. Exactly. And right now, Everton and West Ham are throwing that off because I think they're overachieving. I mean, Suchek is looking like Ronaldinho yeah. out. What the there. hell Dude, is happening? Unbelievable! Like, get him tested. Is he? Is he? Is he like his Lance eyes? Armstrong and his, his, his legs? I don't know. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say anymore. But he d- looks like. I don't want to say it. That's it. Okay, we're moving on. I'm moving on. So the other one we want to just briefly give a shout out to is the Arson Aston Villa calamity. David Luiz has been on Arsenal for I think like a year and a half or maybe even less, but the dude has more red cards or the same amount of red cards as like 15 clubs in the Premier League. He has nine red cards. Arsenal has nine oh, red cards. Arsenal. He, Arsenal he has, has nine red three. cards. He, he has, has three of them. He has three. But anyways, that was a wild one. And then no, the wild thing about that game. Okay, let's let's go back to Arsenal. So, oh, you want to talk about Arsenal? I want to talk about Arsenal a little bit because it's going to make you feel better. It makes me feel better because honestly, another London. You I mean you feel better too because they're another London team. That's true, but West Ham's still winning London. It doesn't matter. It does matter. It okay. We're but as hammered. long as Arsenal gets is still Arsenal is still like in tenth in the league, everybody can feel better about themselves. Dude, you are a Spurs fan. Because here's the thing: Spurs could be in the second division. And Arsenal would lose a game to like a relegation team in the Prem, and Spurs fans would get shit faced. Dude, uh, so Arsenal, they're looking good. They're coming out. They're like winning games. They're playing well. Pepe is actually scoring goals, which is incredible. Lacazette scoring. Oh uh, they don't need a Bamiyang. Uh, you know, they realize Williams are like a waste of money. Anyway, may, uh, they're 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 playing well. Um, they're actually looking impressive, like a team you don't want to really play. And then they go out, and they. Get two red cards in one game. Here, let me build a metaphor. It was Halloween night for Arsenal. They pooped in a bag, put it out on their own porch, lit it on fire, and then had to step out the poop bag. Arteta had they to got, step it out. Step they, it yeah, out. they got hot poop on their shoes, and then they walked back in and got it all over their carpet. That was that game. Wolves are not a good that good of a team. Jeff, you didn't even laugh at that. That's mildly funny. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And we're done talking about Arsenal, because that's like Tottenham therapy. And I know you need that right now. I need it a little but bit. But you got your white claw. So we're moving on. Okay. And we're going to just jump right into the preview of this week. Are we going to throw it over to Evan for these previews? I want to get some real good takes on these. Some real good takes. <laughs> some hot takes. So one of the things I wanted to talk about actually from week 22 is that 
you're starting to see either a one-horse race with City and also the question is Liverpool, are they not title contenders? So we're going to go a little Forget out of... Ti- hey, hey, hey. Forget title contenders. Are they even top four right now? Okay, well, we're going to let we're gonna let the maestro Ooh. answer. All right. So we're All going right. to skip ahead because this game is on Sunday. But we're going to start with that game. So week 23, Evan, who do you have in the City-Liverpool derby? And speak on a little bit the ramifications. <laughs> like you're calling it a City-Liverpool derby. City, oh, it's not a derby. I said, it's I like got, the top so of the league excited. derby. Is that what you're calling the it? The City Liverpool game <laughs> okay. match. The match. The match. The big one. The big one. The Kahuna. <laughs> Who do you think wins this? And what team can't afford to lose? Yeah, it's a, it's going to be a huge game on this upcoming week with City and Liverpool. I can see Manchester City winning this one. They're on a crazy winning streak. I think it was 13 games. I think Gabriel Jesus is starting to find like his I guess form his consistent form at least at City and with like no Aguero that's like perfect for him right he can still keep scoring and stay in the side on a regular basis I think Liverpool have to win this game for their sake though in order to keep that top four hopes and just even maybe at a crack at the league but right now like I really see Manchester City winning the league I don't think anyone's going to stop them um, United are close but I, I don't think they're convincing enough. And I think City will just cruise to the title. Well, at what's the, end. the score? Yeah, what's the score? I think a 2 1. I think it could be close, but I think Manchester City will win. Yeah, I um I, I think it's amazing that they've transformed their defense to being a team that could outscore play just outscore teams, you know, four to three, four to two. So now just not giving up goals. And you gotta attribute that to the Rumidius. I mean, obviously, he was a he was a great signing, but the other factor that you have to con- consider is that John Stones is actually that he got a shot, he he took an opportunity, and he, he's he's run with it. And that you don't say you don't see that a lot in the Premier League is like a a, te- a player that was put in the bench, wasn't playing well, basically sat out an entire season, and now he's like one of the best defenders in the league. Mac and, and I were talking last night about. Liverpool he's a Liverpool fan and we were just actually talking about City and what we were saying is Ruben Diaz as of right now I think is probably the best signing of this season and the most improved player and most breakout surprise is John Stones and you put them in the back there and they just don't let goals in they just Mm -hmm. don't let goals in which is a shock because you used to be able to score a goal or two on City but they may score four or five as you open up the space to score on them and that's how they won titles that was it Gary Southgate's like, wow, I got, I have a, pl- a real player for uh, Euros this year. Oh my gosh! It's <laughs> all right. So Dyer just got a uh, kick to the curb. Kick to the oh, Dyer self kicks to the curb. I know Dyer kicked himself to the curb. So two to one, City over Liverpool. I like that. I'm, 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 I'm liking that score. Are you a believer? I, yeah. I think it's fair. That's fair. Let's go back to Saturday. Saturday morning, the kickoff. That's at four thirty for you on the Pacific Coast. Aston Villa, Arsenal. This is going to be a good one. It is. Yeah, I really like seeing Jack Grealish play. I think he's the best player outside of the top six. Um, as for a score prediction, I think Villa can win 2-0. Yeah, they're Leno-less I mean, and David Luiz-less, yeah. which I don't know. That's not that bad. But And I think their goalkeeper, uh, Martinez, will have a point to prove considering that he was uh, from Arsenal, right? And he said going to Villa was a step up, right? Ooh. Ooh. Oof. 
I forgot about that. I and I'm glad you that. brought that up. But he's been playing really well. Do you, uh, Martinez. He, he's in the he's in the running for signing of the season because yeah. of his numbers as well, for sure. So who do you, okay? So you at two nothing, Jeff. What do you think about that? Two nothing. Yeah, I I think Lacazette and Aubameyang have been wildly inconsistent all season. I think Lacazette will score a worldie here, a, a good goal here, a good goal there, but hasn't found the form that I think a lot of uh, Arsenal fans would expect. Uh, I I I really like what's that what's that Arsenal player that young guy, Saka. No, no, no. Saka. yeah, Saka's good. Uh, the other guy, the other guy, Martinelli, Smith Rowe, Smith Rowe. I think Smith Rowe has been a yeah, revelation. He's, he's really good. I think if Odegaard can like get in the side and find some minutes, I think that would be worth uh w- worth you know Arteta's while and proving that he can play. It's going to be tough for Arsenal to take points in the next two weeks because Leno is class. And Louise do- has been playing pretty well this season. So that being said, Arsenal will lose. I think two, score. I, think I don't think they'll score. I think two nothing is fair. Then. I think two. I think two nothing is fair. Yeah, go with that. Villa. So just to, goal. Just to call it out, the Liverpool City is our agreed upon game of the week, and I'm going to call the next game between Burnley and Brighton. This is our mini bat match of the week because <laughs> this is analogous. Two people fighting in basements with mini bats. That's the beauty of this game. So who do you have in the Burnley Brighton Hove game? I don't think Brighton actually hold on a second. Oh, I'm asking I'm not I know you're asking you. Evan, but first of all, this is I, not I, your I'm time. defending go ahead, Brighton go ahead, a little go bit. Ahead. Talking talking therapy. Go ahead. Talking Talking therapy is real. All right, whatever. Go no, ahead. Go, Evan. go, go, go. Evan, go. No, go. Evan, go. No, go. No, go, go, go all ahead. Right. Go well, ahead. All right, here's the thing. <laughs> Brighton just beat Liverpool. Okay. <laughs> I knew it was gonna come back. And Spurs. So I I think Brighton's better than I think Brighton's got this game in the bag. I okay one nothing Evan. I mean they both beat Liverpool right so <laughs> I actually think it's gonna be a draw. Oh okay. I think I, I don't know I like both sides. You have Sean Dyche and you have I forgot the Brighton manager uh, Harry Potter. No 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 Harry no Potter. Graham Potter. It's Harry Potter. It's Graham Potter. Harry Potter. No it's, it's Graham Harry Potter. Potter. Now on. Graham Potter. Uh, Harry Potter who the owner of uh, Brighton Hope is J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> no we're keeping that one in. That, that I don't know I, no uh, there's no way back from that is there no. No. there's, there's uh, only forward but so you think a draw like a 0-0 draw type of deal I, I was thinking a 1-1 but I can see a 0-0 too because both sides can play really defensively you know they have really good center back pairings I think that work well together and they work well as a team right I think they defend really well defensively as a unit and it could be a dull nil-nil draw. Okay. A nil-nil draw is rough for Burnley because they're on the cusp of the relegation, obviously. But I think a nil-nil draw, Graham Potter would take, and he'd be like, that's great because playing Burnley is not fun. No one wants to really, like, no one's excited about playing yeah, Burnley. Yeah, especially because league. Brighton, over the last two games, have taken all six points. They, they've taken scalps. Yes. And now they're, if they take a draw, if they get a draw, that's seven points in the last three games. I bet Graham Potter's doing cartwheels in his like office, dude. <laughs> He's doing cartwheels in his office. <laughs> He's like, this is amazing. I can't believe it. Oh, my God. Newcastle, uh, Southampton. Who do you got? Southampton coming off a big L. Yeah, Southampton's in the negator for goals over the week. It's at St. James Park, if that changes anything. No. I think well, Cal Wilson has been firing... A few goals lately, right? Yeah, yes, very much so. And but I'm yeah, but I'm sure Ralph Hasenhunel will want to like you know really lift up that Southampton squad after losing by nine goals. So I think I could see another draw here, maybe a one-one. Here's what I think. I think that's fair. I'm gonna I'm gonna say 
Minnie Minnie will get the start Ooh. over Che Adams because Che Adams didn't do anything last game, obviously. And uh, I think uh, Southampton has a statement game. They win three to one. That's a statement game. I mean, for Southampton after losing nine nothing, yeah, it's a statement game. That's true. That's true. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's like losing World War One and then losing World War Two. <laughs> Hashtag not lose. Germany. I mean, they could lose. I mean, obviously, Bednarek uh, got his suspension revoked. You know, Benarek got his suspension revoked, and David Luiz is like in line. He's like, "Please take my suspension take away." My and suspension they're like, away. "No, David yeah. that stays, David Luiz. You're a nightmare." Yeah, Benarek. They appealed the suspension, and they were like, "Yeah, you're right. It wasn't a real red." No. Oh. Well, next game, Boom. Fulham West Ham. This is a derby, not just a match. It's a match and a derby. <laughs> a ma- ooh, a match and a, a derby. A match Jared. and a derby. <laughs> Wait, was it Fulham and who? West Ham. This is an easy. I don't know what. This one's tricky. No, it's not easy. Tricky, my guy. How is it tricky? Tricky to try to figure out how many goals the hammers are going to put away. Yeah. How many? I don't know. I feel like I feel like West. I feel like West Ham have been pretty good this season, but then at times, I don't know. I'm just. uh, I don't know. You never know what Fulham can do with like Lookman, Ruben Loftus Cheek, and they have I think uh, Cavalero. Evan Soft. He's a pretty good forward for Evan them. Evan Soft and Ruben loves his shit. Yeah, he, I think like he must have <laughs> gone to Stanford Bridge and he like saw Ruben at like a, a local shop and they yeah. like had a moment. He like got him to sign his like. I don't know, but yeah, he I, I really I really also like Thomas Socek. I think he's a really great he player. Is. It's it's crazy. He has seven goals, but it always seems like he has a lot more than that. And they have like Declan Rice, they have Ben Raman, they have a load of them, Antonio. Mm. I I I think West Ham will win this one. Ooh. I think maybe a 2-0. Yeah, I agree with that. But 2-0 sounds right. I agree yeah. with that. 2-0 sounds Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Yeah, I was just kind of, I think we were both apprehensive as to why you thought it was tricky because I think West Ham's middle of the field with Suchek and Rice is up there with the best midfields right now in the Premier League, for sure. Yeah, I, if if Rice doesn't go to another team in the offseason, I will be very surprised because he's going to command a very hefty fee. And uh, West Ham's gonna be like, yes, give me that, give me that good transfer money, good, yeah. Give me those rupees. Give me those rupees. The next game is the runner-up for the game of the week, but it's also a game where because United are playing, it's a quote big game. You could basically have ninety minutes of ASMR, like they had <laughs> against Arsenal and they had against Liverpool. So, do you think this game is gonna be something people should watch? Or is this a game where you should burn your peacock? Shout out to Peacock. Shout out Peacock for ruining all of our lives. <laughs> Shout out Peacock for the. It was not sponsoring time. this podcast, nor will ever. <laughs> Wait, what? Who's playing? Which game who's are you playing? referring oh, I'm sorry. to? Playing. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Manchester United and Everton. I realized I brought. I I had this huge thing that I didn't tell you guys. Manchester United, Everton. Okay. Bruno Fernandez. I don't know. Anyone? I I'm not so sure because they just won. Yeah, they just scored nine goals, and I think a lot of people would be expecting them to, you know take out Everton and get in win. I'm not sure what to think. I don't know. Well, what, what, what I mean, are you guys? Oh, here's the thing. What this is what I, this is how exactly. So you bring up the point that I always feel about a Manchester United. I can't predict them because one week they lose to Sheffield. That's true. And then the next week they smash a team nine to nothing. A team that I thought that was actually pretty good. I thought Southampton was a decent team, a decent side, a side that wouldn't lose nine to nothing, but they also lost to Sheffield. So what team is going to show up on Sunday? Does anybody know? We don't know. But I would like to see she- Everton knock down another few pegs because they're overachieving right now, and I don't think they're as good as they really are. Even though I do like James, and I do like Howard Lewin, and Richarlson 
is okay, although he falls down very easily. Uh, but <laughs> we call them Shampton FC on this pod. Ever since we called them Shampton FC and they won the Premier League of September 2020. <laughs> and they basically, you know what, Evan, this is all has its roots in the first game of the Premier League season when they beat Spurs. Ever since, if you, Jeff sees like an Everton fan at like Walmart, like rams his card into them. <laughs> Here's the thing. They won that game. <laughs> we're going to talk about that game again? No, we're not going to talk about that game. I'm just saying that's Brutal. where your uh, you know, blood boils a little bit for Ancelotti's boys. An- Ancelotti, I mean they're they're definitely still overachieving in my they're opinion. They're overachieving. I would like to see a tie would be best for Chelsea and Spurs. It would be. That is max points loss of 4 and it doesn't really move either of them either way and it really keeps the Jekyll and Hyde mentality going for United mm. where they don't know who the hell they are. So I will. I'm gonna interject here. I would love to see a one-one tie. Okay. Yeah. I'm. 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 I. I could totally actually see that happening. Yeah. I think Evan's a believer too. Let's manifest that. We're just putting that out in the universe. One-one tie. One-one tie. One-one. Yeah. Sounds good. I. I think you bring up a great point about from a Chelsea standpoint, at least, right? Both teams draw. They only get one point. This would be great. It, it would be super great because. Everton's behind us and United's in front of us. So as long as they stay static and we can move up, it, it's phenomenal. The team behind us isn't getting close to us and the team in front of us isn't getting farther away. So that's what I'd like to see. And it helps Spurs too. Unless you think that you know Everton aren't really like top six team anyway and then you want to see match points taken away from Man United. I think Everton actually are going to be annoying for the most of the season. Yeah, yeah. They've beaten some just real teams, and they're not fun to play at Goodison, so I would love to see a 1-1 tie. But let's go to the next game. Spurs versus West Bromwich. Albion. WBA. Do you want me to take this one? I would like you to take this one, Jeff. And then Evan can either agree with me. And then he will disagree will that disagree. you think the Spurs are going to lose. I don't think they'll lose. Okay. I don't think they'll lose. Uh, I will think they, I think it's a one nothing victory. I think it's going to be like one of those games where they win and everybody's going to be like, oh, Spurs are back. Oh, 36 points, game in hand. <laughs> but no, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be like one of those grinded out, park the bus victories where I hate myself for 90 minutes and I just, and I, I'm throwing my jersey. I'm like tearing my jersey off because I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? Either way, I don't think Westbrook's very good. And, uh, it leads you to existential questions. <laughs> it really, it really <laughs> climate change. Everything is in the question. Pandemic. Watching them park the bus against West Ham, but uh, so one nothing, like I don't know, whatever. Yeah, I think if I Evan, do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I can already see. I I agree a lot with what Jeff said about <laughs> it's going to be a one one zero. Not much going forward, but you do get a win and you grind it out and. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, yeah, Spurs are, like, not that far off the top four. But I don't know. I think Jose Mourinho has a lot to figure out with filling that Harry Kane gap. And But, yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the big question is is that they they don't have a, a player in the middle of the field to, like, link their defense and their offense. And uh, it's not Lamella. It's not Ndombele, obviously, because they they're making him play, like, a center defensive mid-roll. They can't pack it in from minute one. And they obviously were, like, actually pushing the ball forward a little bit second half when they made two subs and it changed the game a little bit like like Chelsea actually had I don't think Chelsea was ever really in any danger of losing that game but they actually had to defend which is like that's all I'm really asking right now at this point is like put some pressure on the on the other team like don't just absorb like don't just sit back and let the other team hold the ball for 80 percent of the game that's I'm, I'm I mean we know Jose Mourinho's lineup is going to be 
like his his tactics are going to be defensive, right? But at least show some like positivity on like moving the ball forward. Either way, I don't think it's going to change much uh, at West Brom. Those pl- players aren't very, feeling very confident, but they are a lot better than the other team. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they could lose, but I say that about every team. They could lose to they lost to fucking like some shitty Europa League team earlier in the season so it's, it's possible i want to paint you a picture jeffrey one that you will enjoy being painted when jose Mourinho leaves a team yep sometimes Very soon. sometimes Very soon. when he leaves a team they eventually find their way to great success oh they win the league they win european titles he left chelsea then we went in 08 with abram grant john terry doesn't slip we win the champions league 09 we should have gone in the champions league again but Andres Iniesta scores a worldie. We finally win in 2012. Jose Mourinho goes to Real Madrid. He's there for another three years. During that time, he tanks them. They come out, and then they win four European championships in five years. I think maybe at the end of this, the team will have an understanding of how to defend, and then they just need to go find another coach who's a little bit more offensive, and... Maybe things, I don't know, maybe things get better. That's what I was thinking about Spurs the other day because we were talking about is he going to be sacked? If he is, what are the benefits of that? And maybe that could be a benefit. I, I don't know. I mean, the I'm other, trying to be I mean, positive. If, if anything, you realize that the players on the field and what like Jose brings isn't enough. And so you have to go out bring in other players. At, at the very least, that maybe Levy realizes that. Or at the maybe the board realizes the, the picks that Levies are making and not or not making or not bringing across the line, are costing the team top four, are costing the team Champions League. I want to move on from Spurs, obviously, because we've talked about Chelsea and Spurs a lot, yeah. this podcast specifically, but I will say they ha- have to make a decision this summer about Harry Kane. Yeah. If it's me, I sell him, because I think I can get two younger players to make him up in the aggregate and don't have ankles of a 68-year-old. He's just a liability. He's hurt every season love for Love Harry of Kane. Time. Love him, long- love him, but uh, I think if you're able to sell him to a Real Madrid or sell him to a PSG sell him to a Barcelona for like a hundred mil and you can bring in like really good, pl- two really good players, including a center back, then you're going to be better served. I hope I totally agree. Let's go to the next game. This is also for me as a runner up for the game of the week. This is Lester and wolves. What do you think on this one, Evan? Yeah, I think this is a, also another great match. Uh, I can see Lester winning this one because wolves haven't been that great recently. And, you know, it's Leicester City. You know, they're. I think they're going to make top four this, or they could potentially make top four this year. But scoreline, I think they can just score. Um, I think a, I think a three-one. I think Leicester will score goals. Biggest factor in this game, James Madison, on fire, scored a goal this past weekend. Uh, he's involved in every. He's like a. He's basically like. He's the, the Bruno, Bruno Fernandez, Fernandez for, of for that Leicester. team of Leicester. I mean, Harvey Barnes is really good. I, like, they're, even went so they're, they're finding ways to win without Vardy scoring, and that and that was always my thing with with Leicester is like, is if if Vardy doesn't have twenty goals, are they contenders? If, if Vardy doesn't have, uh, you know, is involved in every every scoring opportunity, are they going to make top four? We can put that to bed. They are just like Vardy hasn't scored, and Madison and. Ianacho and 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 Barnes and Tielemans Tielemans and they got Soinchu back and they they've Castagna is actually good and the the players the few players they've added to that team as well as 
Um, the existing players have gotten better. That team is a surprise to me a little bit, being that they dropped a lot of points in the end of the of the restart season. Uh, so they finished fifth. Obviously, they're in the Europa League. To a team, obviously, that's perform overperforming a tiny bit, but also just like staying steady. Uh, they 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 lose a game and then they they come out and they and they respond to that game by winning. And I I, I think Leicester's a problem for the top the traditional top four, and I think that they could easily find themselves in third or fourth by the end of the season. The one thing I want to say about Leicester is I talked about consistency being part of a great player's portfolio. Leicester has been for me the most consistent team this year. They've always been in the top four, I think, the entire season. Since like the you know game one or two where you're just at goal differential or you're just by alphabetic or whatever it starts out at, they've actually been in the top four, I'm fairly certain, almost the entire season. Whereas so many other teams, Chelsea, Spurs, Everton, Southampton, have touched the top and dropped down. Liverpool and United touched the top and now are kind of floating somewhere in top four. Leicester have been literally between two and four, I'm pretty sure, the whole season. So I do see them being in top four at the end of the season, which causes serious problems for our clubs, Chelsea and Spurs, because the two the two Manchester teams will be there. Leicester looks like they're going to be there. And then it's between Liverpool, Chelsea, and Spurs, I think, for the other fourth position. So that's kind of brutal to think about because Liverpool's Liverpool. But let's actually talk about Chelsea. Chelsea is playing the basement. Sheffield United. This should be a dub, right? You look at this on paper, and it should be a dub, Evan. Is there anything we should be worried about playing Blades Baby? Yeah, the thing with, I don't know, like Chelsea is you expect a dub from a team from Sheffield, but I don't know. Sometimes we're so inconsistent, but maybe it might be different because we're under Tuchel now, right? Um, Weirdly, oddly enough, McGoldrick sometimes finds a goal against us. I think he's their top scorer, but I can see a Chelsea win. I think a 2-0 or maybe even 3-0 win, I think, would be enough. Or Yeah, yeah I, I truly hope that Pulisic gets a start. I think it's a game where potentially Hebert, if he's healthy, gets a start or Ziyech starts, which I'd like to see, honestly. I, I'd like to see Ziyech uh, find some connections with, with Pulisic out there and um, in Mount. Maybe the three of them can play together. Uh, I don't see Sheffield winning this game i just don't see sheffield winning this game i I, it's gonna be a two nothing win it's gotta be it's gotta be it's gotta be Tuchel cannot let this team after not giving up any goals in the in his first three games suddenly say oh yeah sheffield though we're just gonna f it it's fine like he's not gonna let up on them he's gonna train he's gonna be like this is another premier league team we need to win these three points take this seriously let's win this game and that's it as long as Chelsea win, I, I don't really care for the scoreline. And one thing I will say, if they're going to score multiple goals, I would like to see Werner score a goal. If he's playing, he needs to friggin' yes. score a goal for the love of God. Yes. Just take the pressure off himself. Because then the next game for Chelsea, I believe, is Newcastle. Another game where there are going to be holes and there are going to be gaps and there's going to be definite opportunity for Chelsea to get in behind and hopefully show their quality. So I would like to see Werner score if they're going to score by more than one or two goals. That would be nice. And finally, the last game of the week, Leeds versus Crystal Palace. What are you thinking, Evan? They're both on 29 points right now, so I can see a draw, but I think Leeds have enough quality in their side to get a win. Um, they have Patrick Bamford, they have Harrison, they have Rafinha, I think. Leeds will win. I, I, I don't know. What, I don't, I'm not sure about the score. What do you guys think? 
it's tough to predict a Leeds game, especially Crystal Palace has also been another team that's kind of Jekyll and Hyde this season. They'll win a game that maybe they shouldn't win, and then they get blown out from another team. I, I don't really – Jeff, what are, what are your thoughts? So, Leeds, Crystal Palace. You don't actually have to share an opinion. We can just go on. Oh, God. No, all right. Well, now I, I definitely think Leeds are going to win. Because what they got? Zaha? Get out of here with that. No, Zaha, no goals. No, Zaha. Yeah, he isn't playing that well. Yeah, but Ezzy's super nice. Though. Ezzy's nice. Ezzy's nice. I think it's going to be a tie. Bielsa loves a tie. I'm going to go tie 2-2. It's got, it could be actually a pretty good game. It's going to be open. Neither of these teams are necessarily good at defending. No, they're bad at defending. I'm going to go 2-2 tie. All right, now we're going to look at fantasy real, real quick. In the basement, as always, Graham's gang, murder on Zidane's floor. Shikaka, they're still in the bottom. The top... No, not so special. Oz, not so special one. Ozatik is literally taking a mini mini bat to everyone else in the fantasy. He's fair. destroying. Feel free to look at who he has and copy his players. Jesus, Larry in second. Los Bandoleros, Rodney in third, and in tenth, Jaboy with boys and bolos, and in ninth, Jeff with the bunkers. I dropped out. Jeff spot. was in first for a while. Oh, now you know he's why? back with me in the middle of the oh, table. Fun fact: the reason why I think I dropped down was because I picked up uh your boy bednarak yeah and he had I'll a tell you why you are so jeff this past week only got 30 points while your boy got 77 and this is the reason why jeff because jeff has son as his captain so son scored two points which doubled to four and he had bednarak on the team which is a negative seven and zaha only had one point what are you so now do? i'm about to leapfrog jeff and then i don't know what what, what he'll have what's the point you know What's the point? What's the point Without of living? fantasy, what's the point? What's the point of living? What's the point of living? That's it. So there you have it. Evan, <laughs> thanks again for joining us on the Boys and Bolos. We will continue to follow you on the gram at Evan Chung Football. You always have great lineups, great conversation points, not only for Chelsea, but against about the teams they play. So thanks again. Thank you, Evan. Thank you all so much for having me again as a guest. Uh, yeah, I look forward to the next time we do this. Yeah, thank you. Ciao. They didn't play football, they just defend, defend, defend. And uh, as we say now in my country, uh, they brought the buzz and they left the buzz in front of the ball. When the opponent has the ball, you have to part the buzz all the time. <laughs> because if you don't concede goals, you have more chances to, more chances to win. But I, I can give already a tip to the, to the coach Arnold. My three attacking players will be Remy, Diego Costa and Hazard. So even if you part the buzz, be with careful this, with these three guys. Be careful. <laughs> Can we have a double decker bus? <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Boys and Bolos podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, Twitch at Boys and Bolos. If you'd like to be a guest, please reach out. You can hit us on any of the social media accounts that Jeff just mentioned, or email us directly at boysandbolos at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.